You sit in church week after week, embracing the truth of God's Word. You believe the gospel and claim Jesus Christ as your Lord. Yet you continue to struggle with pornography. You feel like a hypocrite, returning to the sin you hate that mocks the God you love. You desperately wonder, is lasting freedom even possible? Yes, you can overcome pornography, but not alone. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Only by repeatedly running from sin to Christ with other believers can you hope to enjoy lasting freedom. You can live with purity and integrity. Take courage, seek accountability, and do whatever is necessary. Get equipped at accountabletoyou.com. All right, so we had full-time David Bonson, you know, on work, and now we're going into full-time Megan Basham on journalism. She's yeah. about to bash him. Journaling. <laughs> hey, y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Labs Feast Network. Have you joined our club yet? Or, I mean, or sign up to prodigalamerica.com. We got some great announcements. Oh, my goodness. Coming. This is a Fight Life oh. East Conference. Yeah, it, it's year. spicy. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. Yep. Go to prodigalamerica.com. The mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve their God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. They're free craftsmen, and body armor is a tool of liberty. They create tools of liberty, and free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he has bestowed upon us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. So visit them today at AR, the number 500-500, armor.com. That's AR, the number 500-500, armor.com. We're very grateful to have with us again back our our favorite journalist. Yeah, yeah pretty <laughs> much. Easily. Pretty if you much. ever want to come work for free, Megan, just come just over come, here. Come and work <laughs> okay. for us. You're welcome. Megan, Enticing offer. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Basham is key critic and culture reporter who has worked with The Daily Wire and a frequent contributor to Morning Wire. Megan, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to be in this particular bullpen, so I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know if we know what to say. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like uh, baseball bullpen or like bullpen. Yes, yes, that's what I. Bullpen. Well, you know, just boys club. You, gotta, you got your little boys club. And... <laughs> I like that. I like that. Thank you. All right. Um, so um, we want to we want to play a quick clip. I, I'm sure I know you you've seen this clip, uh, Megan, but. Um, uh, we've got a, a clip of of this uh, this gentleman explaining uh, Curtis Chang uh, um, explaining uh, the after party curriculum and why uh, pastors uh, might find it helpful um, in this political climate. And then we want to ask you to respond to it. Mm -hmm. It's tempting to think, oh, God, I've got to preach the sermon, the sermon that will like you know reframe everything, solve all my problems, and that turns out to be for most pastors, a really flawed process because the Sunday morning sermon is actually a really bad way to deal with something like politics. It's one-to-many communication. It's limited. People are bound to misunderstand even you know, a small thing you say. People will filter what you're saying through their existing political biases. In 30 minutes, I guarantee you, if you go up on Sunday morning, 
in most congregations and you've tried to preach the one sermon on politics that you haven't been preaching on for a long time, uh, your Monday morning inbox uh, is going to be an ugly scene. Uh, and, and that's honestly why most pastors or many pastors don't preach on oh. politics on Sunday morning because they instinctively know my Monday morning inbox is going to look awful if I do that. You mean you'd have to disciple them? So the, the challenge we need is to give churches and pastors a way to head in towards healthy Christian politics that doesn't force them to preach this magical Sunday morning sermon that will solve everything. And the after party is our attempt to do that so that you don't have to do all the heavy lifting and also, frankly, you don't have to take the bullseye Right? Because this way, if you run the after party in your small group community, uh, in your Bible studies and so forth like that, then if people get mad, they get mad at Curtis, Russell, and David. They get less oh. mad at you. You can have plausible deniability, right? You can just say, hey, you know, I don't agree with everything these guys say, but I think they're worth listening. That's the classic move you, know, you do make as a pastor, right? To, uh, you want to inject something, but you know, not have to take all of the shots for it, which you shouldn't have to take all the shots for. That should be part of our job, is to do that. This is, that's the partnership here. Yes! That Woo! is so bad. No, no, that's the classic it. move. This is awesome. <laughs> He's saying all the things out loud. No, this is... Do you know how long you have to go to a church before you feel out, figure out that they're this kind of coward? Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. to know right on the front face value. Do you guys Any, have an anybody after, who's doing the after first, party? First visit. <laughs> you guys have the after party thing going on here? Oh, yeah, we do. Thanks. See that's ya. what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's right. That's all I need. Oh, so awesome. This is great. So, are, are you saying that's not what being a pastor is all about? Uh, Maintaining yeah. plausible deniability and in, avoiding wearing a bullseye? That, mm. That's not pastoring? You won't yeah. be getting my ties. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, not at all. I, I, that, yeah, I think Jesus. I mean, I think he said something about taking up a cross. But I mean, I mean, I guess maybe that wasn't a taking up plausible deniability. Was not. I, I, I don't know what he said. Yeah. I, uh, I think we need to. Megan needs to start back. What What is the after party? Well, all, all that I, stuff. I think we got a lot of listeners tuning well, in who don't even know. Absolutely. Well, make first. The, I wanted to know. I wanted to know. Did you see this clip first and then have to investigate this, or were you ahead of this before this clip popped up on social media? No, this clip came out after my story came out. Um, okay. So you mm. know, I mean, to go back to the beginning, um, it was actually, and I think he's been a guest here, right? You guys are buddies with Aaron Wren. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so Aaron Rand, the writer, um, and he has a new book. I'll plug his book. Aaron has a new book out. We have him coming <laughs> I on. Don't remember. We have him coming on next week. All right. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, it was actually he was actually the one that sort of flagged for people. He was reading um, Tim Alberta's book, which, if you're not familiar with Tim Alberta, he is um, one of the staff writers at the Atlantic. He uh, is very much a progressive Christian, is how he would define himself. Um, and he has this big new book out that's anti-Christian nationalism book called The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. And it's very much a hagiography of people like David French and Russell Moore and Curtis Chang. And at one point in the book, he talked about how those three got together to create this um, Bible study to deal with uh, political idolatry in the church and the divisiveness that that's causing in the church. Um, and then a curious little thing, and this is what Aaron picked up on, was that um, he said, Curtis Chang told Alberta, we couldn't get evangelical groups to fund it. 
And so Alberta wrote they had to go to progressive leaning um, secular people in mm. order to get this funding. And that was all he said. And Aaron took note of it and mentioned it in an essay. But for me, I went, well, hold up. Who? Who's funding this <laughs> yeah. thing? Um, so, you know, I did a little digging. And one of the first things I found was that um, it was part of a grant funding round from Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, which you know, obviously a lot of people are familiar with the name Rockefeller, um, but it is a very large, mm -hmm. very old, mm -hmm. very hard left secular foundation that doles right. out money for all kinds of things. But mm -hmm. some of those things include um, promoting abortion, promoting all the gender insanity, promoting homosexuality in, you know, every mm -hmm. sort of manifestation. So that is what Rockefeller frequently funds. And in particular, in, in this very grant round where they are announced that they would be funding the after party as one of their new pluralists, um, <laughs> they also said they were going to be funding groups like um, some sort of LGBT rural leadership group um, to promote, I don't know, LGBTQ farmers or something. Mm -hmm. um, and a group that pledges to help keep fossil fuel in the ground on behalf of climate justice. So this is who was, I mean, not just being funded by Rockefeller overall, but in this very niche, particular new pluralist uh, funding round. Well, at that point, I reached out to the after party and kind of let them know, all right, well, I'm, I'm doing a story on this. What can you tell me about this funding um, that you're getting from Rockefeller? And they said, well, we're going to we're going to add a new uh, Q&A to our fact section on our website. So I go over there and take a look. And they have also added, by the way, we're also getting funding from the Hewlett <laughs> Foundation, which if you're not familiar with them, they are the second largest uh, funder of Planned Parenthood in the country. <laughs> so this is, yeah, these are the groups that are giving them money. And then I went, okay, well, on the after party website, who do they say they're formerly formally partnering with in order to sort of spread the word and get the curriculum out. And one of those groups is called the uh, One America Movement. And that's a, you know, quote unquote, ecumenical group. And by the way, let's keep in mind, we're talking about bringing a Bible study into churches. So right. they're partnering with hard left secular foundations. And then also this ecumenical group, it's not Christian, it's supposedly, you know, people of different faiths coming together. And one of the board members of this group, One America Movement, includes um, an LGBTQ aff affirming rabbi at a synagogue, female rabbi at a synagogue. <laughs> um, and then also um, a guy who says he's a Christian, but he founded Black Lives Matter chapter in New York, and he uh, defends rioting as self-defense, and he has called Jesus a Black radical revolutionary so this is who the after party, Curtis Chang, Russell Moore, and um, David French are partnering with to create this curriculum to bring it into evangelical churches to help them deal with their political idolatry and divisiveness. <laughs> That's the summary. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, what? How, how much money? How much money did they get total from all these different the, foundations? Yeah, so they don't say, and you know, it's a funny thing. You can go through and look at um, 990s and yeah, yeah, and yeah. IRS forms. Yep. And what's what they do though with this new pluralist project? You can't. What you know is okay. Ten million dollars went out to um, 
I think 30 different. So essentially it would be like they were each going to get, if they divided it evenly, $300,000, but that was just from the new pluralist project. So I don't know how much they're getting from Hewlett yet as those 990s aren't out. Um, so there could be, you know, additional funding from that. Yeah. So if it was evenly divided from this Rockefeller grant round, that would be about $300,000, but I don't know that it was evenly divided. So I mean, that's I can write curriculum, you know, I mean, right. <laughs> um, gay, gay, more than I get paid. I know that curriculum. <laughs> it seems that we might have to speak real plainly here because anybody who would be interested in this curriculum is not thinking very clearly. So, Megan, right. could you spell out why Rockefeller would want to invest in a curriculum inside of people's churches? Right. Okay. So I can tell you two things. I can tell you what they say is their motivation, and then I can tell you some clues to perhaps some other motivation. So, um, you know, when I asked the after party about it, I did not hear back from Chang, Moore, or um, French, who I all... I emailed all of them directly. None of them responded, but I did get, you know, a PR person email back. Yeah. And their answer was because we are concerned with divisiveness within the church and it's tearing people apart and something along those lines, we want to address that. Um, and, and that's kind of what Rockefeller says too, that we are investing in pluralism so that we can all learn how to live um, together in this democracy and peaceful fashion. But what's curious is that they noted in their grant funding announcement that this curriculum was going to be rolling out to Ohio, and it called it the battleground of Ohio. Let's keep in mind it's an election year, and it was going to be free through 2024. So I think you can mm. perhaps speculate that if they're talking about unrolling this curriculum in a swing state that they are acknowledging we're, we're enrolling it in a battleground where wow. none of these you know key people live and we're particularly wow. going to do it this year and it's going to be free well might perhaps part of the reason that they're doing this be to um suppress the evangelical vote which we tend to know that i mean you look at most of these issues um that conservatives support it's evangelicals who are holding the line and keeping really the left-wing agenda oh from just you know, running roughshod over the country. Um, so that would be a part of it. And look, I think we also have to talk about Curtis Chang, who is spearheading this thing, is a Democrat. Now, he calls himself a pro-life Democrat, but here's what pro-life means to him. He has publicly, when Gavin Newsom was being recalled, he, he publicly asked Christians not to vote to recall Gavin Newsom. Um, uh, he, he, <laughs> right. <laughs> so whatever he, however he defines pro-life, it doesn't preclude him backing pro-abortion candidates. So, you know, I would emphasize that. Right. Um, and then he's partnering with, you know, Russell Moore and David French and boy, when you think of who are people who are just very non-political and try to stay out of the political fray, do you think about Russell Moore and David French? <laughs> so, yeah. um, and also, I think you can also critique this idea that they're saying, hey, we just want to show how within the church we can maintain harmony and love and affection for one another and, you know, during very divisive political times. Well, if that's true... Why did they choose for the spokespeople and the creators of this curriculum um, three guys who are pretty much lockstep in their views? Right. You know, they didn't bring on like one of you guys 
right? They didn't say, okay, let's have a range of Christian opinion then on how Christians might right. approach politics. They didn't do that. They picked three lockstep like-minded never Trumpers who have had the same view on everything from vaccines to, yep. you know, lockdowns to how to vote, you know, whether we should vote for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys, mm -hmm. there, there is no sunlight between them and their views. Megan, what, have you had a chance to actually look at the curriculum much? And um, what, what, I mean, it's, um, it's identifying targeting political idolatry, but um, what does that mean? Yeah, I watched the curriculum. Um, it's six sessions, I think it was, and I watched through the entire thing and I kind of clicked through the little surveys. Um, and let me just start by saying, I have never seen this before. So if this is no big deal, someone could tell me, it just surprised me that the uh, after you finish the first session of the curriculum, you get a little survey from Johns Hopkins um, asking you to take the survey. Mm. Um, and I, I've never seen a secular uh, hospital or you know federally funded medical organization ask me to take a survey while I'm doing my church Bible study. <laughs> Um, and the subject matter of the survey was, you know, how you identify yourself politically and what level of church engagement you have, oh. how often you go to church, things like that. So, I, you know, that that was odd to me. Okay. Um, so obviously they're partnering in some sense with Johns Hopkins as well. Um, and so, you know, through the six sessions, top line here is that there is very little Bible in it. Um, you know, things that to me, if you're going to have a political Bible study, that would be very obvious things like, um, okay, well, what does it mean to politically seek the good of the city that we live in? Mm -hmm. As Jeremiah tells us, that might be something you would discuss. Or what does it mean to, you know, when we live in a representative republic to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's? I mean, mm -hmm. certainly we have civic duties. How how do those manifest themselves in a believer's life? Doesn't deal with that at all. Um, so it was mostly, I would say, 80% kind of not super objectionable pablum, you know, I mean, just a lot of slogans, yeah. um, you know, things about, well, you know, seek justice, love mercy. I mean, not that, I mean, that is a Bible verse, yes, but it, it didn't really get into, okay, well, what does that mean? At one point, Curtis Chang says, well, justice means to make sure people get what they need and deserve. And I went, that's not how we define justice. Mm. Um, I mean, that there's a lot of wiggle room. What do you mean? Yeah, Make right. sure people get what they need and deserve. Um, because to me, it is approaching, um, and, and we're given this definition, you know, throughout the Old Testament, we are approaching situations without partiality when we're making judgments. That's part of justice. And they, they don't touch anything like that. Um, so, and, and then there's a few moments in it that I was shocked that they keep emphasizing that um, it, politics are really complicated. And just because you think you know mm -hmm. how you should approach one issue, you got to be humble mm -hmm. because it's complex. And anybody who's telling you that they know how to solve an issue, you know, you should really be on your guard against that person. Well, as David French in particular kept saying that, that listen, issues are complex and we don't always know the right answer for you know several seconds there is someone flashed up on the screen holding a pro-life sign mm -hmm. while he's saying this obviously the message was like abortion for example is a very complicated issue mm. and we don't really necessarily know how we should vote based on that issue now he didn't say he didn't cite that issue but visually it yeah. was cited as mm -hmm. he was speaking um, so, you know, a lot of that, a lot of this is very complicated, except there was one issue they don't think is complicated at all. 
And that is the issue of um, systemic racism, that it is ongoing, it is current, and mm. Christians are called to act on that issue. Well, if you're not, if, if abortion is complex, but systemic racism isn't, and you're supposed to vote on that, where does that leave you? Wow. That's that's nuts. I'm going to let you think about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, well, well, I can't. Okay. As soon as you get done, I'm going to read this ad and then and then you can collect your thoughts uh. while, while you're doing while I'm doing that. Public houses or pubs are not just places to drink beer, wine, cider, or even something a little stronger. It's also a unique social center. Very often, the focus of community life in villages, towns, and cities throughout the length and the breadth of the world. We here at Cross Politics hope to emulate that for you and your family. That's why you should grab yourself a pub membership at fightlaughfeast.com. We need you on this ride with us. So pull up a chair, grab a pint, join join the boys, as Megan would say, on this ride at fightlaughfeast.com. That's fightlaughfeast.com. And that's how you can also you can watch all our past conferences. Yep. Um, also, we regularly do a backstage portion with our guests. Um, the after magazines each show. and the audio and format we also back got, there. I also yep. got the magazine and audio format. Discounts now, so. at our conference, yeah. probablyamerica.com. Yeah. Yeah. So join the pub, fightlaughfeast.com. Gabe, did you have some? Because I have. I'm still thinking. Um, one of the things I don't, I don't really have a question right now because I'm, I'm still processing, but it's 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 not irony, I guess. But it, you know, they're the ones allowed to talk about politics. The conservatives aren't. Yeah, they, they're rising above, Gabe. Yeah, you don't rise above very well. And, but their curriculum's allowed to address politics on your behalf, right? Um, and and particularly they have the um, the, 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 they're the priest. Yeah. Th- yeah, that are the, sanctioned. The, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To be able to talk about this, and yeah, they'll do it right. on your behalf, so you don't become a target or whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, there's, and then of course, like, um, what's crazy is is what Megan stated about Ohio being a battleground yeah. uh, for 2024. So they're very for Joe Biden being president. That's what that would make me think. It's very complicated. It's not. That's all speculation. <laughs> Because it's a battleground for what? Right. It's a battleground because you want for Trump justice, to be president? For justice. Or is it a battleground <laughs> because you want Biden to be president? Yeah. I don't think they lean towards Trump. That's that's clear. David Trump, uh, David French is a never-Trumper. Yeah. They all are. They all three, yeah. So, Megan, I, there's a couple things I have. I, my head is spinning with stuff. But I just have to know, what, what happened? Do you wake up in the morning and, like, do you have some sort of fairy dust that falls from your ceiling <laughs> that gives you these... I need to go investigate this and figure out what's going on. How did you, what even like, I know you say it was Ren, but there's you honestly, I've everything I read from you. I feel like this, this woman don't miss like what's going on. What's going on in your head. (laughs) (laughs) I I have an obsessive personality as my husband might tell you. I just cannot let something go once I'm like, no, wait a minute. Hang on. Who's doing this? Do you need counseling? Do you and your husband need counseling? I probably do. Yeah. No. He finds it charming. I do have to say this. I do think about your, I haven't met your husband. I do think about your husband because for you to be so free to do this, there's, he's created a space for you to feel like engaging, mm. you know? Yeah. So I think that says a lot about him. Yeah. And I think that's really awesome. I wanted to know, why do you think they chose this place to pick the fight? This is very intriguing. They have, it would seem they would have an uphill battle with conservative Christians. And these guys are all fit inside that category, except for one. 
But why yeah. they, they must think that we're weak here and that there's an open door to be able to get to us. And if the pastors who they are pitching this to are the kind of guys that would actually buy into this, I think they're right. So do we have a problem? Yeah, no, we absolutely do. I mean, look, already um, I, I saw, you know, right after my story came out, it was maybe the following weekend, a great big pastor's conference in Phoenix, um, you know, right in that suburb area of Mesa. They were having a big pastor's conference welcoming um, Chang as one of the speakers and Russell Moore as the keynote. And, you know, of course, you know, you got two guys from the after party and the subject matter was politics and polarization. So mm. they're bringing two members of the after party in to speak at a pastor's conference. So, you know, obviously they think we can get this in. And I, I think history shows them a certain really, certainly recent history that um, the church can be a really easy mark. And, you know, on top of that, they've got the support of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, 185 wow. member schools. Uh, one of their presidents sent me a copy of the email that they sent out, and they sent this out last August. So they've been preparing this for a while. And that email said, um, here's this great curriculum about politics and divisiveness. Um, please consider you know, using it in your student life ministries and in your pastoral ministry classes. Wow. So 185 Christian schools. So yeah, I mean, I think you know they have learned that Russell Moore in particular has done a lot of work in this area where he worked with um, the Evangelical Immigration Table and some other organizations that have kind of run the same game in taking secular money and then funneling these messages into the church. So he's really just doing it again. You I, know, it, it seems to me, too, that like, I mean, to your question, Knox, I mean, the way this is being pitched, I mean, part of it is the is the political idolatry. But I mean, the way that Chang is talking on that video is he he's also seeing an opening yes. where pastors are he, he sees them as being particularly vulnerable to yes. this offer. You, you you feel trapped. I mean, and I think in the yeah. post-COVID moment, like mm -hmm. you just um, think about how um so many pastors have gone through the grinder yeah. because church is destroyed. Because yeah. because yeah, they they hadn't prepared their people. I mean, the one thing that was like I actually agree with, like you cannot possibly think you're going to disciple your people in how to think Christianly about politics by doing one sermon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, you cannot do that. Right. Um, it, it takes, uh, it's discipleship. It's going to be a lot of teaching over time. You're right. If you try to do some one silver bullet, yeah, you, you, you might um, torpedo uh, your church. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but because so many churches have not been faithfully discipling people, discipling the people about what God teaches about, politics from Genesis to Revelation, um, they find themselves trapped in this moment. And then you've got these lockdowns and then you've got, you know, people, you know, probably in their congregations pushing against that. And then they got, you know, the CDC and the masks and the jabs and all the rest of it. And I can, I, I think they're probably seeing a moment where um, pastors are like, if you haven't been faithful to this point, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm hoping that some have repented and are saying, I need to repent. I need to teach the word of God and I need to not be, not care what anybody says. I need to be faithful. But I think a whole bunch of them are saying, all right, how do I hold this together and and not um, submarine my ministry? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I need my job. I need this ministry, whatever. And maybe maybe what I, what we need here is peace, peace, 
You know, like mm-hmm. you know, like what, yeah. what, what we need right now is I, I need I need a plausible deniability. Yeah. I, I need I need to try to bring this up and try to get people to ease up on this yeah. cool down, which I think is maybe interesting. I don't know if, if you've thought about this, Megan, but I wonder if that's some indication though that that the that the the people in the pew are kind of starting to get tired. I mean, I, I wonder if I wonder if this is a, a little bit of an indication that like. Uh, the the run of the mill congregants are starting to say, wait a second, you made us wear stupid masks for two years. Yeah. Um. And 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 David French and and Chang and and, and Moore are saying, here here here, give them this. This might this might uh, calm them down. <laughs> yeah. And I think I mean, look, if if you just came through a season where you were outsourcing, you know, important decisions that you should have been making as a shepherd to the federal right. government, then. Yeah, it's probably not um, going to be a, a big step for you to go. Well, you know, I'm going to continue to not preach on politics. Then I'm just going to outsource all of my teaching on this subject to, to these guys as well. I mean, you've already sort of made a habit of that. Um, mm. And one of the things that was interesting in the curriculum itself was how much um, it emphasized how dangerous it can be for Christians to have power. Wow. Um, and that, I mean, that was a theme through all of it, but it hits it really heavily, heavily Oof. at the end where it says, um, look, Christians in authority don't have a good track record. Look at some of the things that Christians allowed under their watch. And um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it said. I mean, I think part of it was an allusion to slavery, but just in general, the theme is Christians in power is a dangerous thing. So, you know, the upshot is we should embrace sort of our pietistic tendencies and we should... I think somewhat feel ashamed of seeking to enact our public will um, to have an influence on the public sphere the same way our secular neighbors do. Like somehow it's not dangerous for pagans to have power, but it is dangerous for Christians to have power. Mm -hmm. And they don't really explain that, but they explicitly say that Christians have a bad track record of holding authority. (laughs) Yeah. So I I was thinking like, so let Gavin Newsom. Yeah, that's gonna right, work right. out really well. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I, I want to ask her another question, but okay. Um, you want to say that for it? Let, let's go backstage. Okay. Um, if Megan's got a couple more minutes, Megan, before we sure. go backstage, I I do. You have a book coming out, right? I do. Um, I we're not. You know, I'm we're not at pre order stage oh, yet. Um, okay. we are in. Yeah, so I am not quite ready to to tell you where to go get. I mean, I, I think if you go on the HarperCollins page right now, it will still let you order it, but we're also changing the title. So, okay, yeah. Okay. Well, just make That's sure that, it right there. Make sure oh, that okay. we get copies of that first. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I copies, absolutely you know. will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the There's going to be, just so you know, this was just a little bit of what's going to be in it, though. I mean, this oh. I was done with it when this story came up. So That's what oh, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if this influenced yeah. that or do you want to throw the book open and say let's put this in there too but i did i had to go back and say stop the presses i need to put oh, this in. wow Good. <laughs> so. well you should go over to first things and read the article follow the money to the after party it's up there you can just search in their little search bar and read this article you read everything that she writes megan is awesome thank you so much for joining us megan what is the partisan mind understanding the partisan mind the mind of christ i mean like this is all the curriculum they aren't partisan yeah, All right, if right. you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids, and we were 
already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers. 